It is a really good day to be able to come together. I know that it's raining a little bit or a lot outside this morning, but there is a joyful spirit in here. Already we have just uh, celebrated a number of ways. We've gotten to clap together already for a number of things. We celebrated with the men. We celebrated with the bells. We celebrated with our children here this morning. I want to invite us to continue that spirit of joy as we gather here today because today we come together not only to celebrate the new life found in Jesus Christ, but we also celebrate our moms among us, and we really do give thanks for our moms because when you stop and think about it, literally none of us would be here without our moms, and so whether you are literally sitting right beside your mom or maybe it's been months or years or maybe even decades since you had a chance to talk to your mom uh, on this physical earth, we come together today and we give thanks for our moms. So in light of that this morning, can we just extend a round of applause for our moms together here this morning and we give thanks for them and celebrate them. And again, whether you are seated beside them or we think back from a long time ago, we give thanks literally for the life that our moms offer unto us. We do not take that lightly. We have been celebrating new life together here for a number of weeks now because in some ways I know it feels like a while ago, but Easter wasn't that long ago. And when we come together at Easter, we celebrate the reality of the empty tomb, the new life found in Jesus Christ, Christ who has defeated death and left the tomb empty. And so we've tried to be really intentional these last number of weeks to continue to celebrate that new life and more specifically to figure out how do we share it with others? Because in reality, I hope that we want to share the new life of Christ with others. Angie referenced that in her children's message here this morning. Hopefully, we do want to run out there and tell others. We see the disciples running out and telling others. But the reality is also that we, as followers of Jesus in this day and age, in our particular culture, don't always know how to do that. And truth be told, a lot of times we come across as kind of weird when we try to share Jesus in the day and age in which we live. And so we're trying to understand how is it that we can authentically share this greatest news in the universe with those around us. And so we've entered into this sermon series that we are calling Nudge. And if you remember, the easiest way to think about this and what we're talking about is literally picture nudging somebody else. Because if you picture that, it's going to bring to mind the elements we want to be aware of. Number one, when we're nudging others in the good news of Jesus Christ, it has to be or it should be somebody that we are walking with in close enough proximity to that they know us. There's a personal connection there. There's an authenticity. There's a trust. Can the good news of Jesus be shared on the fly from a distance? Of course it can. But more and more in the day and age in which we live, all of us have the opportunity to share the love of Christ with somebody that we walk in close connection with. There's a personal authenticity and trust that can be built. Secondly, when you literally nudge somebody, they can feel it. So do those around us feel anything different or experience anything different because we are Jesus followers? that there's an extra sense of peace and groundedness in our life, no matter what circumstances we are walking through, that there is a sense of joy that we carry always, no matter how difficult life may be, that we practice and do life things differently than those around us because God commands us to do so, that when people look at us, they say that they are generous. I mean, they're always giving of themselves. Like, there's something different about them. 
Is there that sense that as Christ lives within us, that those nearby to us can experience his presence in our lives? So like when you feel the nudge, you can experience that. And then number three, that we pay attention for the opportunities to nudge. So a couple weeks ago, when I nudged somebody, you will remember, I did not nudge them in the eye. I didn't nudge them up the nose. I, I paid attention and nudged at the appropriate place. That's exactly what we want to do in sharing Christ with others. Pay attention. God will open doors that at the right time, in the right place, with an open spirit on our part, we have the opportunity to share this great news. So last week, we talked about nudging Christ through the, through the power, the life-giving power of touch. And you heard Pastor Rick reference earlier, in this entire series, what we're doing is exploring nudging through the five senses that God gives to us. So last week, it was touch. And we acknowledge that in our world, touch is often used, unfortunately, in a harmful, even abusive way. But God has always meant touch to be for healing and for life-giving. And so literally, how can we touch those around us with the healing, life-giving knowledge and love and experience and reality of Jesus Christ? And now together, as we come here this morning, we're going to talk about another sense, which is the sense of listening. And I want us to understand how powerful sound and listening are. Specifically, I don't ever want us to underestimate the power of sound of Jesus in order to experience Jesus. Sound is one of those senses that I think we underestimate just how powerful it is because we can hear a sound and it immediately brings different images and elements to mind just when we hear it. What would it look like for us in the day and age in which we live to share the sound of Christ and let others hear the sound of Christ coming from us? As we think about that this morning, I want to just remind us how powerful sound is. And so I made these really easy. I think you will get this very, very easy. You know that if you watch a movie without any sound, uh, it's, not a very, uh, it's a very different kind of experience that I should say, especially if you were to watch a horror movie without any sound. It feels way different without the sound that's going through there. So here are two movies that I want us to listen to for just a moment and see if you know what these are. So let's listen to the sound of movie clip number one and see if you know what this is. Let's go ahead. <laughs> All right, so that, I mean, that was a short clip, but I think you got it. What was it? Yeah. All right, look, there you go. In unison, very good. That was super easy. Just by hearing the sound, you knew what that was. Again, easy. Let's listen to a second one, which again, I don't think is too much of a challenge. Let's listen to this one. And so again, pretty easy. What was that one? Very good. So look at that. Like, so as soon as you hear it, immediately you know what these things are. Sound plays a crucial role in our life. Some people say that music is actually the first language of human beings because of the way it connects with us emotionally and intimately and inspires us. And you can understand music from you know, day one or even earlier in our lives. There's a reason why songs like Baby Shark get stuck in our heads and we can't get it out and we try as hard as we want. There have been times in my life I've been with somebody towards the end of their life when they're struggling with Alzheimer's and they can't tell me literally what they did five minutes ago and say so we keep repeating the same conversation and they don't know what happened a year ago. My man, we could sit there and we could sing hymns that they learned when they were children that were still there. Sound is a deeply powerful thing. 
At the same time, it's not just songs that we hear. Everyday sounds make connections in our hearts and in our minds. And so I want you to listen to just a couple more here and see if you know what these sounds are that relate to everyday life. So let's listen to the first one. All right, what was that? Yeah, turn the car on and get going. Now, for some of you, that might be uh, a good thing, especially if your car hasn't been working. You're glad that it's now working, or maybe it reminds you of getting up and going to work or going to school in the morning. That is a sound that we can all relate to in different ways. Here's a second sound. See if you can tell what this is. Very, <laughs> yeah, that's right, violin. That's kind of fresh in my mind because I've been at some of my kids' orchestra concerts here recently, and so I've heard a lot of violins, and they sound great. Uh, we're so blessed in this school district with the music folks that we have, and so we give thanks for them. Here's a third one that's a little bit different, a normal life sound. Yes. Three of you jumped, I saw. You thought it was your phone. I, I was watching carefully. I knew that on a pretty regular basis, we hear our cell phones go off. And one more, see if you can tell what this one is. Let's listen to it. <laughs> so, so what was that? Yeah, that's right, and who was it? That's right, it was Pastor Janet's laugh. So, she, <laughs> she was a great sport. She let us do that here this morning. Now, isn't it interesting, literally just by hearing the sound of Janet's laugh, look at the rest of us. I mean, it's impacting. We're smiling. We're even laughing a little bit. Sound is a deeply powerful thing. Now, what we tend to forget is that the God that we serve, the God of the universe, is what we could call a voice activation God. So Siri, Alexa, they have nothing on this God of the universe. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, at the very, very beginning, we hear this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. Boom. God's voice cosmic activation going on because of the sound of God's voice in our world into creation. Listen to also what it says in the Gospel of John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. That word for word that we translate word is actually a Greek word called logos, and it's a very complex word. There is no really good English equivalent to it. It's a combination literally of story, of sound, of God, and mixing all of these things together. And so oftentimes the translation we use is word. But as I've been sharing with you throughout this series, I've appreciated thoughts of Len Sweet, who's been my primary mentor in the program that I'm in right now. And he offers this translation, which I think is really an interesting and helpful one. He says we could translate that verse, in the beginning was the voice. The voice of God who spoke creation into existence. And here's what's so beautiful about that. When God speaks and God's voice echoes into our world, it's not static, it is not once and done. There are these continual reverberations and echoes of the sound of God's voice. And so you and I are invited to continue in that sound for the continuing echoes of God's creation, of living into that beauty, of being a part of it, and helping God's creation be all that it was intended to be as God's voice continues to echo among us. 
The God we serve is a voice activation God. Sound is so incredibly important. I want us to understand how important sound is by reflecting on the scriptures that we heard a little bit ago that Pastor Rick read for us. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open with us this morning. We are again in the Gospel of John, and specifically, we are in chapter 20, verses 10, 11 through 18. And if you look carefully in this passage, we see the sound of God happening so that God can be shared among others in very specific ways. Did you hear the sound as we went through it? It's interesting if you look in this passage, when Mary first sees Jesus, she doesn't get it. Look what it says in verse 14. At this, she, Mary, turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. So what we're going to find out here in just a few moments, Mary is often called the apostle to the apostles. She is the first one to encounter the living God and experience him, and she's going to go and run and tell the other disciples. But it's fascinating that when she only sees him, she doesn't fully recognize him. I hear many people a lot of times say, well, if I only saw Jesus standing right in front of me, then I'd believe. That would do it for me. Would it? Would that fully do it? Because here's Mary. She's even looking for Jesus, and he's standing right in front of her, and she doesn't fully see him. And then, and then, if you continue on, look in verse 16. It says, Jesus said, sound to her, Mary. It was the sound voice activation that hit Mary that began to change her heart so that she could recognize Jesus. So look what Jesus is doing here. He's nudging her. How is he nudging her? Well, first of all, he's in close enough proximity that she can hear him. He's not far away. There's a connection here. There's an intimacy here. There's a personal nature here. He even says to her, Mary, which is a very intimate thing, very personal thing. There's a trust that he establishes there. Secondly, he does this in a way she's experiencing his presence. She knows he's there. And we know that she feels something because based on the description given here in Scripture, it says she goes from crying, sad, to crying out, Rabbi. <laughs> in joy and in celebration. So there's a shift from weeping in sadness to crying out in joy. That's only going to happen if she's experiencing something, in this case, the risen Christ. And Jesus is paying attention that he speaks her name at exactly the right time, that it sinks into her heart. And now she doesn't just see, she understands. She embraces, welcomes the Christ who is in front of her. And then what we're going to see is that Mary's going to turn around and go do the same thing with the other apostles, the apostle to the apostles. She will nudge in her own way. My question for us then is how can we learn to do this? How can we learn to share Christ in a way that's not weird or off-putting, but share Christ in a way that others around us will hear their names spoken by the living God and go from weeping and sadness to embracing the new life that Christ offers to us all? And I want to suggest to us there are three ways that we can embrace the sound of Jesus Christ. Number one, we tune up. Number two, we tune in. And number three, we tune to be sent out. Tune up, tune in, 
tune to be sent out. And I want to unpack each of these just a little bit. When we're talking about tuning up, basically all we mean is this. Be intentional to seek God out. Be looking. Be searching. We see Mary here this morning. She's coming to the empty tomb. What is she? She's searching. She's hoping to find God. She's trying to find this Jesus that she has given her life to and that she thought was dead. What is she doing? She's searching. How can you and I search? How can you and I intentionally point our antennas upward, our radar upward to connect with God, to be in tune with God? How can we do that? Two simple ways. These are not like crazy new things, but they're so important. Number one, we turn to Scripture. Scripture is so incredibly important. These are the words of life that God offers to us. Now, I can say that to you, and you know that, and it might even be something you would expect me to say, but I don't know what it is that we think God's words of life can be low priority or no priority. I don't know why we think that we can be super close to God when we're not willing to listen to the words of life that God offers to us. And the beautiful thing is, it's never been easier to be engaged in God's word. We can get up every day and we have Bibles easily accessible to us and at some point in the day, stop and read them. We can listen to online resources and podcasts and speakers. We can th- uh, use apps like the YouVersion app of the Bible, which I love that. I personally use that. It takes us through the Bible every day and helps me think and reflect. We've never had it easier. And yet, for many of us, we're not tuning up by being in Scripture. It's just not something that's really important to us. And then we wonder, why am I not feeling connected or in step with God? So we do that, but the other thing is that we make an emotional connection with God. So however it is that you're wired, I invite you to live into that in a way to connect with God. So in our heritage, uh, the Wesley brothers, John and Charles, many years ago, they would do things like literally get together and just sing hymns just literally sing their theology because they loved theology and they loved singing. They're like, hey, let's put the two together. What would that look like for us? I mean, they thoroughly enjoyed that. For some of us, maybe we do this in groups, maybe in our life group with other people that we know and like, and hey, it's great to get together with them in a group and we're gonna, we're gonna digest God's word together. Or maybe for some of us, we get one-on-one with somebody else and they're gonna push us and we're gonna push them, but we look forward to that time of connection. Maybe for some of us, it's being in nature in some capacity where we can just get away from other distractions and listen to God and be in God's word, whatever it is that helps us emotionally connect, that we just genuinely enjoy it. It doesn't have to be artificial and it doesn't have to be in a way that we don't like. I've always loved the quote that Eric Liddell gave in Chariots of Fire in his running, and he literally said, when I run, I feel his presence. I feel his pleasure. What is it that we can do to feel his presence, to feel his pleasure? It doesn't have to be one more chore to do. What is the emotional connection we can make? And when we do those things, we begin to tune up ourselves to God. So that as it says in Psalm 40, verse 3, we can allow God to put a new song into our heart as we're tuning up. What happens when you literally tune a piano? You're helping that piano do the thing it was most created to do to its absolute best ability. When we are tuning up to God, we're doing the same thing. We are being equipped to do the things that human beings were most designed to do, which is what? Worship God. It's the thing we were most created to do. So when we tune up, when we 
direct our attention to God, it's going to be preparing us and equipping us for that which we were most designed to do. Once we tune up, then God will begin to tune in with us in a way that's going to bring us into the same frequency and walking with God. Think for just a moment, those of you that are old enough to know and remember some of those old radios either in a car or at your home, how was it that you would listen when you were listening to that radio? You would take the knob, one was for the volume, but the other one was what? For the tuning, to get to the right frequency. And what did you have to do in order to hear the music or the message that was being shared? You had to tune in to just the right frequency. Too much or too little resulted in static resulted in not being able to hear anything, but once you tuned in exactly right, what happened? Clarity, music, message. As we tune up in God, we get tuned into God, and at the same time, invite the God of the universe in Jesus Christ into our hearts and souls and say, Lord, I welcome you in And in those moments, God then begins to tune us in Christ. And the way that we live into this many times is through our listening. Now, we know this. It's hard to listen, I think, increasingly in the day and age in which we live. If we had more time, I would have asked you to do this this morning. I'm not going to do this, but I do want to ask you, I want to give you an assignment for this week, and it's this. Will you take five minutes somewhere, anywhere this week, and just stop and listen? You don't have to go to a place of complete silence. It can be in your home, it can be work, it can be, it doesn't matter about that. Just listen and see what you notice. Because if we would have done that here this morning, if I'd give you five minutes, first of all, I realize that feels like a long time for some of us because we're just so used to noise and chaos everywhere. But if I were to do that this morning and then say, what did you hear? You would probably say things like, well, I heard my heartbeat, which I hadn't noticed before. Heard cars going by, which I hadn't noticed before. I heard somebody coughing three rows behind me, which I hadn't noticed before. I heard the lights humming, which I hadn't noticed before. What's the point? There's all this stuff going on that we just don't recognize or understand or take notice of because we haven't stopped to listen. I am absolutely convinced that God is on the move all around us in all kinds of ways, and we just don't recognize it because we haven't stopped to tune in to listen. So I want to invite you to do that this week, and I'd love for you to share with us then maybe what you experienced or what you noticed or what had been there that you just didn't notice before. Back in 1928, there was a gentleman named Carl Sandburg. He was a sports writer for the Chicago newspaper at that time, and they wanted him to interview Babe Ruth. And so he got a chance to do that, and he said, Babe, what makes you such a great hitter? What's the system you use? What are the tactics you use? What are the, what are the specific details you focus in on to make you such a great hitter? And Babe Ruth looked at Carl and said, well, I just look for a good, hit, a good ball and smash it. Like that was it. Like that was the grand extent of his technical explanation. He went into the dughouse and they're into the dugout, I should say, and they were like, when you're up there, what kind of ball are you looking for? And he, he just looked at them and he said, Well, I look for a good one. And they smash it. Like that's what I do. He couldn't really describe all the technical uh, intricacies of it, but Babe Ruth was so in tune with baseball that he just did it and did it phenomenally. We don't have to know all the intricacies of the Christian faith, but when we are in tune with God, we'll we'll just nudge others. It'll just happen. 
because we're in love, we're tuned up, and we are tuned in. We'll get on the right frequency. Perhaps we could even say that Jesus is our perfect pitch in God. That as Christ lives and dwells in us, we live and walk with the living God. If you get a chance, Google, uh, in the 1970s, there was a commercial, Google Ella Fitzgerald, and it's a Memorex commercial. She literally sings a note, and as she sings that note long enough, she shatters a glass. Not an easy thing to do, but it can be done because of something called resonant frequency. Resonant frequency is when you hit that right pitch, and it has a way through its vibrations of destroying something else in close proximity. What would it look like for us to be in such resonant frequency with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit vibrations worked on our heart to such a degree that there was an explosion, a breaking of our souls, whereby God could step in and do something new and foster forth new life? What would it look like for us to live in resonant frequency with the living God so that when we're tuned up, we're then tuned into Christ, and then we can be tuned to be sent out. And how does that happen? We go, and as God is vibrating within us, we go near with others, and we vibrate, vibrate Christ and God with them, which is exactly what we see Mary doing here this morning. Look what it says in the last verse of what we looked at this morning. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples, so here she is. She's now tuned to be sent out after she's tuned up and tuned in. She's tuned to be sent out. She went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and then look what it says. And she told them that he had said these things to her. What's happened? Mary has had a resonant frequency experience with the living God and it has broken her and built her up at the exact same time and now she is going to share and tell this good news with others. How? By getting on their turf and speaking in a language they could understand. How is it then that you and I can learn to nudge by sharing the sound of Jesus? I mean, I can talk about this and I can lay this out, but for practically then, how are you and I going to learn to live into this? One of the biggest things I would say to us is that we will learn to do it by listening. Listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, listening to the opportunities that are before us, and then sharing the sound of Jesus at the appropriate time. A gentleman named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived back in the 1930s, as the Nazi regime was beginning to form and take root, he was one of the first ones to recognize that God's church could not be, should not be a part of that. And he literally began an underground resistance and seminary. Uh, he offers this quote when he's talking about the power of listening. He says this, The first service one owes to others in the community involves listening to them. Just as our love for God begins with listening to God's word, the beginning of love for others is learning to listen to them. God's love for us is shown by the fact that God not only gives us God's word, but also lends us God's ear. Is there somebody that you would love to share the news of Christ with? Let me encourage you to do this. Just begin by listening to them. We live in a world with a whole lot of talk and not very much listening. Do you know what a gift it is to genuinely be invested in and take interest in someone else and just listen to them? 
and how that might allow you to develop a personal relationship, a sense of trust, where they can experience and feel the love of Christ through you, and if you pay attention, can then share the love of Christ with them. Let me give you this example. Let me try to make this super, super practical this morning. I'm going to make this hypothetical, but this could apply in your workplace. This can apply at home. This can apply at school. This can apply all over the place. Right now, many of you know that we have on Monday nights something we call Monday dinner over at the pajama factory. Let's just hypothetically say that you're one of those people that go there, but picture anywhere in your life where maybe you go on a weekly basis, where there's a, a repetitious touch point. And let's say you start going on a Monday night to dinner, and you start going there, and you see one of those weeks a girl with long brown hair who walks in. In the first number of weeks, she's just the girl with the long brown hair. You don't really know her. But you start every week to see her and say hello to her, how are you doing? And eventually you find out that the girl with the long brown hair has a name. Her name is Susan. And now you've gone from the girl with the long brown hair to now she has a face and a name. And so you say, hi, Susan, every week that she comes in. And she comes in, how are you doing? And Susan says, I'm doing fine. And at first, every week that she comes in, your, your level of relationship is here. It's pretty surfacey. Your, your sense of community is pretty shallow. How you doing, Susan? Fine. How you doing, Susan? Fine. What do you do, Susan? I'm a student. Oh, that's nice. How are your studies going? Fine. How you doing, Susan? You do that week after week until one week she comes in and you say, Susan, how are you doing? And she looks at you mortified. And she says, I'm not well. You're not well. Why? I just lost my grandfather, and he was my everything, my everything. And now, first of all, because you've been listening, community went from here to here, and she's suddenly going deep with you, and she's devastated. And Susan looks at you, and Susan says, have you ever lost anyone that meant everything to you? And you say, actually, I have. And then in desperation, Susan looks at you and she says, how did you get through it? Because I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You then, because you've been listening, and if you are listening to the nudges of the Holy Spirit, have an opportunity in that moment authentically and personally and with trust because she's invited you in, you have the opportunity to say, well, Susan, it was at that point in my life where my faith in Jesus became really real. And I don't know what your walk with God might be like, but he made all the difference for me. He gave me strength when I thought I had none. He gave me peace when I thought I couldn't have it. And he showed me that death here is not the end. So it's my walk with Christ that's made all the difference. And now Susan looks at you and in her desperation says, could you tell me a little bit more about that? What will we do in those moments? See, for some of us, we want to meet per a person on Monday and expect them on Tuesday to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And we've rushed it. We've made them a target. There are others of us that God all the time is opening doors, and if we would just listen, if we would just pay attention, may God give us the courage that at the right time, in the right moment, without treating them like a target, but love them. Say, let me share Jesus with you. And some of us lack the courage when God opens the door wide to step through. 
I know I've shared with you, but it's just been hitting me so hard lately. In Acts chapter 16, twice at the beginning of the chapter, the Holy Spirit says to Paul, do not yet preach. They're not ready. But you go a little bit farther on in the chapter, and then Holy Spirit's like, now preach. Now it's time. And amazing things happen. It's the right time. Why? Because Paul had to listen to the nudges, the promptings of the Holy Spirit to share at the right time. It's the exact same thing for us. So first church, who can you, who will you nudge this week with the sound of Jesus? I invite you to write that name down, and please don't underestimate the power of nudges. According to scripture, the entire walls of Jericho fell down because of holy vibrations. Google 1940 uh, Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Literally, an entire bridge fell down when 42-mile-an-hour winds came and the vibrations brought it to the ground. Don't ever underestimate how powerful, powerful Holy Spirit nudges are. So who will you nudge this week and beyond? May we be a church that tunes up, tunes in, and is tuned to be sent out. We celebrate the new life of our moms. We give great, great thanks even more for the new life found in Jesus Christ. So let's share it with all the world. Amen.